Uh, before we begin, I want to dedicate this year that this year should be a blessing and a merit for the health and success of the families of Regina Bas Yosef Ruvain and Yeshaya Ben Yisrael Binyamin Wolf <coughs> Ben Tzvi Hirsch and Baruch Ben Binyamin Wolf uh, yeah and it should be an Afalias Neshama of these people what I'd like to do uh, is give a shear about a theme that I want to follow uh, and I had mentioned that uh, I'd like to go into a very important phenomenon called prophecy or nevuah because it's really much more than we imagine but uh, as a great intro to that we observe a we can call it of course a holiday called Shabbos now it's amazing when you think about it <clears throat> that you know Shabbos is something that we observe for our entire lives doesn't happen once every year a couple of times a year but it happens every week at the end of the week we observe Shabbos so when you think about it, Shabbos is something that occurs in, with an enormous amount of frequency in any person's life. <laughs> you know. Now we all have a feeling or an idea. It certainly have a, a sense that we know what Shabbos is. You know. Uh, but that's not really true. Uh, and what I wanted to talk about this year, which I had given really a very long time ago, but I wanted to show how Shabbos really depends on our ability to be a Navi, a prophet. And that's really what goes on during Shabbos, you see, is we actually exercise that faculty of our ability to be a Navi. You know, and that shows us to what extent Shabbos is so part of our lives. What I always find interesting is that a person can observe Shabbos his entire life and not know really what it's about. You know, most people think that Shabbos is a day of menucha, which really, in a certain sense, it certainly is. You don't work, you can't work. There's certain activities that we do on Shabbos, you know, uh, and there's no question about it that Shabbos is tremendously meaningful in our lives and so on, you know. But if you walk over to somebody and ask them, other than the fact that we don't do any malacha, which is activities, right? And also it's a restful day we have good food, right? Uh, and uh, like I said, of course, we don't go to work and so on, you know. So uh, other than the fact that it is a yom it is a day of rest, so to speak, you know, what exactly is the essence of Shabbos? What is it really? Did God want to give us a break in terms of not having to work? Well, it's like a day of vacation. You can cease working. You don't have to work. It's a vacation day. You know? Is that what it is? Is that what Shabbos is? So most people think that. That it is a day, you know, where you could take a break. Basically, from the necessity of engaging in work, which happens, of course, for six days. So Shabbos, in essence, most people think, is a break from the normal weekly activity. And that break occurs, of course, on the seventh day. That's what most people think. So the question that we have to ask, is that really what the essence of Shabbos is? Where there's a break in our weekly activity, right? 
and as a result of course we can have a day of rest or there's something more about it something greater than that you see and when you think about it it really the word is behooves us to really have a handle on what Shabbos really is now there's something that hints that it's more than just a break from weekly activity you see that there is something spiritual about it <coughs> you know because if Shabbos really in a certain sense is a break then really what does it have to do spiritually because taking a break is taking a break if you have a vacation for instance you know off on work so you can do you can do other types of activities you know you can travel do other types of activities like I say you know what does it have to do with spirituality when you think about it you know really nothing yet there is a concept called Kiddushas Shabbos the Kiddush of Shabbos which is the holiness of Shabbos you see <clears throat> but if Shabbos is basically taking a break from weekly activities you see and being able to have a day where you could think right relax contemplate then what does that really have to do with Kiddushas Shabbos that is the question so that is really a hint that there's something about Shabbos that has to be connected to Kedusha, holiness. But the question, what is that? Not only that, we can ask, what is Kedusha? What does it mean, holiness of Shabbos? What does it mean to be holy altogether? You know, that's a word that is used so often. You know, you know are you a holy person? What does that mean, holy? in general so we can ask that question what is the Kedushas Shabbos <clears throat> now there seems to be Chazal <clears throat> the rabbis that hint about this for instance we say that Shabbos is me'eno ilim habo is like ilim habo the future world you know well, what is that I mean, because we know that the future world is not a break from a physical world, right? It's a world that is uh, clearly something specific, different than the regular world, right, that preceded it. <coughs> so the question that we have to ask is, what is me'ein oilem habo? That Shabbos is like oilem habo. We, want, we don't even really know what Ilam Habo is. So how are we going to know if something really is like Ilam Habo? We don't really know. So what does that mean? Yet yeah, really when you think about it, which we will see, you know, that, that's a very important hint about what goes on in Shabbos. It is like Ilam Habo. But that's interesting. <laughs> that the Rebbein wants to give us an experience which is like Oilam Habo. You see, now that itself says something. You see, that he wants to give us an experience, right, that is sort of a mini Oilam Habo. You see, so first of all, we can ask why? Why does he want to do that? And how? How is it like Oilam Habo? You see, then we have certain ideas about Shabbos. <coughs> there are many, many ideas. One of them, it says that we get a Neshama Yisera. You see, a Neshama Yisera is an additional soul, right? Doesn't say Neshama Chadosha, a new soul. No, doesn't say that. It says Neshama Yisera, an additional soul. Well, what does that mean it's additional you see and can we feel it is there some type of manifestation of neshama yisera the additional soul on shabbos and then after shabbos it leaves 
question is, why do we get it in the first place? Why do I need a Nishami Yisera to enjoy Shabbos? If you think about it, you know. I mean, it's nice to experience or to receive a Nishami Yisera. Uh, but why would I need that, you see, to experience Shabbos? That is a question that we can ask. Then there are many, many different types of halachas about Shabbos. Kiddush, right? Why do I have to make Kiddush? Right? And you make it whatever, over wine, over bread, whatever. What's the meaning, the underlying concept of Kiddush? Then, of course, at the end of Shabbos, we make Havdolah. So we can ask, what's the underlying concept of Havdolah? You see? Why do we have to make Havdolah? Right? Then you have the concept of Hadlokas Neris, that we light candles. Why? What do candles have to do with this? Do with Shabbos, really. I mean, it's a nice gesture to have candles. It certainly provides light, which is obviously very important. Uh, but is that all it is? Is that what Hadlokas <coughs> Neris really is? Is just a, a, ve a vehicle or a, a method of lighting up the house? You see? I would imagine if that was the case, Chazal would say it's an Eitzat That's a good idea to provide light. But obviously it must be far more than that. Then it says that there's covered Oinig. You have to honor the Shabbos, right? You put out your best, your the tableware, you know, your uh, table, uh, the cloth on the table, right? <coughs> right you know your best uh, uh, dinnerware and so on and then there's Oynik to enjoy Shabbos right what does it mean to enjoy you have great food you know so what's the meaning of covered in Oynik you know what does that have to do with resting right or desisting from uh, activities in Shabbos you see which is interesting. Then, of course, we have something which is very important. <coughs> That's the concept of the 39 malachas. There are 39 categories of work. I could say 39 groups of work, right? Of labor that we can't do on Shabbos. And the question is why? Why not? You know? And if you want to desist from activities that you do during the week, that's one thing. But 39? That's a lot of activities. And I want to tell you something. That's not just 39 ac activities. These are 39 groupings or categories of work, right? And Chazal tell us that each of these 39 groups, each one has 39 subcategories, sub work, sub-activities, you see? So if there are 39 categories or group, 39 labors which we can't do, and each one of those groups have 39, it comes out that each group has 40 activities which you can't do, right? You have 39 groupings. Each group, right, has 39 additional activities which resemble all 39, comes out that each group has 40, because you have the original labor, right? 40 uh, uh, categories of work or work activities, right? So there's 40 times 39 groupings. That's 1,560 activities, which theoretically are forbidden to do on Shabbos. The question is why? What does it mean to refrain from activity? And why is that so critical on Shabbos? And that really, in many ways, is the essence of Shabbos, you see. Then there's another question, you know. You know, when we come home from shul, and we, before we start the meal, we recite Shalom Aleichem, right? And we invite the angels in. Uh, that's, that's very interesting, you know. But... Can you tell me the rationale for that? 
Like, what do we have to do with the angels? Why do we do that? You know, Malchashores, you know, the angels you know, of heaven, we actually invite them in and then we say goodbye to them and so on. Why does Shabbos, what does Shabbos have to do with angels? That is the question. You see, it's very interesting that we do. And, you know, if, if you really want to find out, don't ask anybody because most people don't have a clue as to why they say Shalom Aleichem. Yet it's really the only thing we say. We say it on Shabbos, we don't say it on Yom Tov, right? And the question is, what does it have to do with Shabbos? Inviting angels in, right? You know? It would be interesting to invite angels in every day of the week. You know, we'd love to have them as, you know, as uh, companions, or especially when we say, you know, they should bless us and so on. So, it's, I mean, it's a nice, interesting gesture, but what does that have to do with Shabbos? That is the question also. Also, we know something, is that Shabbos is a day, not a date. Every holiday in Judaism is a date. What is a date? A date is a number, right, in a month. Which day of the month is it? That's what a date is. And when you think about it, every holiday is that. It's a date, right, of a month, right? We have Yom Kippur as the 10th day, right, of Tishrei. Rosh Hashanah is the 1st. Pesach is the 15th. They're all what? They're all numbers or dates of the month in which they fall. But Shabbos doesn't fall on a date. In fact, Shabbos has nothing to do with months. It's completely relegated to the concept called day of the week. So the question is, why is there such a difference between a month, which is a Yom Tov, and Shabbos, which is a day of the week? Why the seventh day? Theoretically, could have been any day, you see? Okay, so I have asked a lot of questions, you see? So when you think about it, is it possible with an understanding of Shabbos? Or does Shabbos have an understanding that can actually address each one of these questions with a satisfactory answer? That is the question. And I'll tell you something. The answer is yes. It does. So what I want to do is give a share about what Shabbos really is. And also to attempt to answer every question I ask. And that one understanding of Shabbos will actually answer everything I asked. You see. So that's really very important. <coughs> and maybe for the first time when you encounter Shabbos, after you hear the shear, or you see the shear, you will actually know what's going on. You see. <clears throat> now, what is interesting is, is that, you know, there's always the secret somewhere in the Chazal. In other words, there's got to be a Chazal, a rabbinical statement, the Gemara or the Medrash or whatever. That is the secret to the question. So the question then is, what is that Chazal wherein lies the secret of Shabbos, which is the most, one of the most fundamental ideas, right? Or one of the most fundamental observances in all of Judaism, you know, the concept of Shabbos, you know? And the answer is, there is. What Chazal is that? Well, the Chazal is, really the introduction of Shabbos where the, the Chazal tell us that God said to Moshe Rabbeinu you know matona toivo I have a great matona a gift yeshli that I have base genozai in my storehouse of goodies I got a great gift and Shabbos Shemo, the, and the name of the gift is Shabbos Go and tell Klai Yisrael that I want to give them Shabbos. You see? 
So the question is like, you know, which is very difficult to understand. Why is Shabbos a gift? It's a tzivoy. It's a command. It's a mitzvah. It's not a gift. Right? And if Shabbos is a gift, then every mitzvah is a gift. So why is Shabbos special as a gift? You see? So it's really, when you think about it, it's really very puzzling. Then all mitzvahs should be gifts. You know? So why does the Rabbi call Shabbos a gift? It's really a mitzvah. Tzivoy. Certainly looked at that and we know that, you know? So what does the Rabbi mean that it's a gift? You see? That is the question that you can, you can ask and so on. But the truth is, when you think about it, that is the answer to all the questions that I answered. There is something about Shabbos, right, that's not a mitzvah per se, although it certainly legally acts like a mitzvah, but it's really a gift. So the question is, what kind of concept is that? What is a gift? A gift is when you receive something for which you did nothing to earn. In fact, you didn't earn it. You did nothing to receive it. Whoever gives you that gift gives it to you because that's what they want to do. It's their will. Not because you did something to earn it, that you did something to deserve it. You see, a gift has nothing to do with deserving it. It's up to the one who gives it to you. It's their good will that wants to do it, right? So that's what a gift is. So what the Rabbi Hashem is really saying is that you really should not have Shabbos. You see? If not for the fact that I want to give it to you as a gift, guess what? You should not have it. That's what a gift is. Because I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it, right? It's not a reward for anything, right? So that's what it means. When we say that the Mosham says, that he tells Mosheh to tell Klai Yisrael, Jewish people, it's a gift. What he's really saying is that, you guys don't deserve this. It's because I want to give it to you, but not because you deserve it. That's a very important clue as to what Shabbos is. So let's take a look what Shabbos really is. Let's look at this. Uh, all, everything in the Torah, right, is a tzivo, is a commandment, right? Why? It's a commandment to do, and as a result of that, you will earn reward, right? It's a reward. Every mitzvah basically, right, is there so you can earn the reward of having performed mitzvah. You see, what is the reward? Well, we know, right? The mitzvah is the, gives you the ability to declare, in many ways to testify, that that I am going to do this mitzvah, which means I'm going to suspend my will to declare that God's will, that He is supreme, right? Therefore, I will suspend my will for his, right? That's really what you do when you do the mitzvah. That's exactly what you do. You make a declaration. You testify that that God's will is supreme and I will sub submit my will to his. Fine. Therefore, God says, okay, I will reward you, right? What's the reward? That since you declared that I am, my will is supreme, <coughs> that I am supreme, right? Therefore, I will allow you, mida connected mida, measure for measure, right? To experience what you testified. So guess what? Since you testified that I am supreme, I'm going to allow you to feel or to see or to experience my supremacy. Measure for measure. You see? So, uh, mathematically, it makes sense. You know, you do A, you don't get B, you get A. That's really what's happening here. 
you declared testifying by doing the mitzvah that you believe I am supreme and therefore my will has to be followed you will be allowed to experience what you testified about therefore you will experience God himself at a future time but that's essentially what a mitzvah is really all about but that makes sense you do the mitzvah and then later on you experience the Rabbanu Shalom which is the consequence the result of the mitzvah that makes sense because first you put in the effort and then you get the reward fine makes a lot of sense you see because that's really what the Rabbanu Shalom really wants but when you think about it okay what happens if the Rabbanu Shalom says to you you know you know what I want to do? I will allow you to experience me without doing anything. Right? Wow. That's not a reward. What is that called? It's called a gift. You see, that's what we begin to understand. Shabbos is a gift. Because really we should not be experiencing Shabbos. Not not here on this earth why because we have not done anything to deserve to experience God himself that's a very important idea in other words we can we can have Shabbos right I mean if you want to experience you know the Rabbanu Shalom whatever right you have to wait to experience him if you do something that testifies what you believe right but before you've testified before you've done the mitzvah why why should we experience God you see <clears throat> therefore what we begin to understand is the Basham says to Meshavenu you know I'm going to allow them to experience me <coughs> right even before they do the mitzvah even before they do the mitzvahs I'm going to let them experience me. What is that? And the answer is Shabbos. So it comes out an amazing concept. We'll understand more later. What Shabbos is, is a day in which the Rabbanisham reveals himself to the extent that we can experience him even before we deserve it. You see, even before that's what the Bansham does he's allowing us to experience him even before we've declared what we believe therefore Shabbos which is the day that he allows us to experience him right that day is when we experience the Rabbanu Shalom before we really deserve because we haven't done the mitzvahs or sufficiently to deserve to experience the Rabbanu Shalom. And that is why Shabbos is a gift. Because we are experiencing the Rabbanu Shalom before really we deserve it. Now we can ask, well, why does he want to do that? Why does the Rabbanu Shalom want us to experience him, right, before we really deserve it? He doesn't have to. He can wait. Let us do the mitzvahs, right? And then after 120 years, when we pass on, we will experience the Rabbanu Shalom. And that's called Oilam Habo. Why didn't he just wait? You see? That's a very interesting question. You know, it's like a guy, uh, you know, um, he's hired to do a job, right? Now, after two weeks, he does the job, and he gets a check. Well, that's his salary. That's the reward. But imagine the guy goes over to receive, you know, he goes over, you know, before two weeks, right? And they come over to him and they say, you know, we want to give you a check for two weeks labor. So the guy says, what do you mean two weeks labor? I didn't do anything yet. He says, no, no, no. I want to give you the reward. I want to give you the money now before you even do 
anything to deserve it. That's essentially what Shabbos is. It is a experience that we receive even before we deserve it, even before we did this concept, you see. That's what really what Shabbos is. Why does he want to do that? Why does the Rebbe want to do that? And the answer is, I believe, because the Rebbe wants us to taste the reward before we experience the real reward. In a certain sense, it's like an incentive. Because if we can experience what we will get after, you know, passing on, then maybe we will be incentivized to do the mitzvahs, you see. So it's sort of like, uh, you know, I'm going to show you what you will get ultimately. And therefore, I want to allow you to experience somewhat of what you will get in the future as an incentive. That's one idea. There's another idea, which in many ways is a vast topic. We don't realize something. And it's a very profound concept. The Roshim says, Ki because God, your God, Ahevcho, loves you. We don't know what that means, but the Roshim says something. And if he says it, it has to be true. The Roshim has an unbelievable Ahavo, love, of Jews. The truth is he really loves all mankind because they're all his creations. But for right now, he loves the Jews, and he says that, because the Lord your God does love you. Now when the Roshim says love, it's not a guzma. You know, it's not an exaggeration. You know, people say, you know, I, well, I love hamburgers, right? And they don't love hamburgers, right? They like hamburgers or whatever, you know? Uh, love is a very powerful word where somebody has incredible feelings about somebody else. Especially in the concept of, well, I, would, I really want to be with you and I want to benefit you. I want to give you stuff which is incredible, you see? And I want to be with you. Why? Because I love you. Love is an emotion of attachment or attraction. It's where A wants to be with B, and A wants to do everything they can to benefit B. Love is that feeling, that emotion. Uh, we don't realize it, and only in the future will we realize it, that the Bershom loves the Jewish people. But the love is not just love. It's a love of which we cannot imagine, because any feeling, so to speak, that God has is infinite. It's not something that can be measured, and it's the quintessential aspect of the emotion. When we say God loves us, He really does. Whatever love is, He's got it. And not only does He have it, He's got it, as they say, in spades. He's got it in the greatest quantity possible. So could you imagine that the Bershom loves you? Yes, you, the audience that I'm talking to, right? Because uh, that's what it says. The Bershom says that. That the Lord your God does love you. That means he loves every member of Kleinsville. But the love is, the, the love is genuine and it's infinite. You imagine what that means, you see. That is a vast, vast topic. And I believe that's really, in many ways, why there is Shabbos. God loves us. He wants to be with us. So the way He's with us is through Shabbos. You see, He doesn't want to wait for 6,000 years of world history, you know, or 4,000 years of the Tikkun process. Right? Where we do the mitzvahs and so on. He doesn't want to wait to be with us. He wants to be with us now. 
Why? Because he loves us. And therefore, he actually created a wherewithal, some type of method where he can be with us now, <clears throat> you see, because he loves us. And by the way, <clears throat> you know, just as an aside, when we look around, we could see the enormous, infinite intelligence that God displays by everything. It's astounding when you look at the human body, for instance. It's astounding how the human body has come to be. It's almost perfect. I mean, evolution can never explain how a human body can form or the other hundred million species of living forms, how it came to be. The complexity is almost infinite, right? <clears throat> so why does the Rebbeinu want us to know this, study it? Is it because he wants us to see his incredible infinite intelligence? And the answer is no. Because he wants us to understand that all of this intelligence, everything, you know, and I'm not going to go through all of that, right, was for only one purpose, and that is to benefit us. That God used his mind power, his infinite understanding and creativity to create all forms of life, to make an entire universe and you can develop a whole Shia based on that. For one purpose, he wants us to know that this is what he did, right, to benefit us. Why? Because he loves us. And therefore, that is the what's called the Hechreach. That is the reason why God wants us to worship him. Could you imagine somebody that has the power of a God that says, I love you, and I want to do everything possible to enhance your existence. Would you not love God if he appears to you and says that to you? And then God begins to demonstrate the love that he, sh sh that he did and the benefit that he does. You see? You should know one thing. One of the main things in Ulam Habo is not just that we will experience God, but we will actually experience the love, the Ahava, that God has for us, you see. So how could we not reciprocate and love Him, you see? But I don't want to get too much into that, because that itself is a long topic. But I believe that's the reason for Shabbos. He doesn't want to separate Himself from us. He doesn't want to wait 6,000 years until the Jews, Jews deserve uh, right to have Oilam Habo. No. He wants to experience Oilam Habo now, you see. But in any case, this is what we realize. So, therefore, what Shabbos is, is a very important idea. We are experiencing something that we do not deserve. We didn't earn it, right? <clears throat> I mean, eventually we will have earned it. That's thousands of years from now, when the tikkun will have been done. But God says, I don't want to wait. I'm going to give you the ability to feel me now, you see. So what does he do? So God says the following, which is really very interesting, you see. You know, I'm going to allow the light of the 7,000th year to be experienced now. That's called the Elif Hashvi. <clears throat> the Elif Hashvi, what does that mean? Well, basically, if you think about it, the world has certain periods of time, right? Uh, there was a time of Adam Mauritian before the sin. Then there was a time of Adam Mauritian after the sin for the 2,000 years of mankind's history. Then there was the time, right, of Avram Avinu and the Jewish people, which goes on for 4,000 years. So that is 6,000 years. And then in the 6,000th year, right, which is after the Messianic era, by the way, <coughs> because the Messianic era really is the last tekufa, it's the last period of time before, right, before the destruction of the world. 
Hopefully it's very shortly, right? And then what happens after the Messianic era? Then we enter the 6,000 years, right? Which is the English year 2240, right? Which is a little over 215 years or whatever, 17 years, right? And that's called the Elif Hashvi. It's called 6001. It's the beginning of the 7,000th year. So in that year, God will display himself in a way which we cannot even begin to fathom, to understand. <clears throat> and in that the Kufa, what we experience or what we perceive of God is that he's Yichachli Tosai, that he is the cause of everything. We think we cause. We think we actually do things. But the truth is, we can't. Because we cannot make existence. He's the only one that can actually give existence. You see? So anything that we do, think about, <coughs> or actually take action with, and so on, is caused by God, even though we don't realize that. Uh, so right now, we think we're the cause. You see, we do everything. Everything is a result of our brilliance or whatever. But we don't realize that he does everything for us, except we have the illusion of causality. That's what it's called. But starting 6001, which is the Elif Hashvi, the 7,000th year. So starting 6001, we realize he causes everything. We actually see that. We perceive that. We experience that. Uh, so that concept or that experiencing of God as the ultimate or the only real cause of all actions we actually experience in the 7,000th year. So God says, you know, but that is an <coughs> incredibly high level of experiencing God, you see, that we actually see and feel and perceive. So God says, you know, in the 7,000th year, on the seventh day, which is a parallel to the 7,000th year, right? The world is created in six days, and on the seventh day, God ceases to create. So therefore, when 6,000 years will have passed, a thousand years for each day, and there's the seventh day, which is equivalent to the 7,000th year, I'm going to reveal myself to you at a level that you will experience me. You see, that's what he decided. And he said, every seventh day, which is the equivalent of the 7,000th year, you will have a chance to experience me. That's what he says. It's just fascinating when you think about that, you see. And you should know, on that day, there's a posuk, on the 7,000th year, on that day, God only himself will be exalted. Right? <coughs> that means we're fooled. You know, we have people who are very great. You have the Rishonim, you have the Tanoim, Moshe Rabbeinu, Shmuel and so on, right? So, to us, these are incredible people. They are people, but more important, they are beings. But on the 7,000th day, or 7,000th year, I should say, on that day, we realize that everybody is zero because everything is done by God, you see? So that's why it says, and God alone on that day will be elevated as the only real being. All illusions of anything that seems to be parallel to God or seems to have its own stature is reduced to zero. And then we realize who God is, that he's the only being of all. You know, when you talk about Enoid Mavadoi, we begin to realize Enoid Mavadoi in a tremendous way after 6,000 years have passed. That is the perception of God and the experience of God that he's Enoi Mavadoi, you see. In any case, so it is that experiencing, it's that awe, so to speak, 
It's that presence of God that God says, I want to give you guys now, even before the end of 6,000 years, even before you will have completed the Tikkun process. So it's not a reward. It's a gift. That's the essential idea. Because we have not done the job yet to experience that light. Yet God says, I want to give you that light. I want to give it to you now, every seventh day, which is parallel, right, to the 7,000th year, the presence of who I will be in the 7,000th year. And that's a very important idea. <laughs> now what that is, so therefore, Shabbos is a day, and I will explain, Shabbos is a day that we actually experience God at some measure, some level, as He will appear to us in the 7,000th year. That's really what it is all about. And that is why the presence of God, the Shekhinah, right, as He will appear to us in the 7,000th year, we will experience that on the seventh day. And therefore, like I said, that's a gift. But you know what it also is? The only way to experience something that will be in the future or something that is completely spiritual, how do you experience that? You see? And the answer is Nevoah prophecy. That's how. Every Jew has the capacity to be a Novi. And I will explain that you know, later on and so on, you know. So we actually employ some type of device where we can experience God, right? But with the prophetic uh, instruments or equipment that we have, that's really what we have, you see. Now let me explain that, right? We begin to understand. What the Mansham did is the following. We, or every neshama, every soul, basically consists of five parts. It consists of the nefesh, which is the lowest part, the ruach, second, then it has the neshama, which is a part of the whole neshama, then it has chaya, which is a fourth part, and yechida. These are five parts of the soul, they're all connected, and each one in some way is, is, comprises the entire totality called a neshama. You see, <clears throat> now the, the, one of the reasons for that is that each one of these five parts is connected to the five different dimensions or realities that the entire world is, is uh, fashioned and so on. The nefesh, part of our, you know, our nefesh, is connected, right, to this world, Asiya. Then the Ruach is connected to Olam Yetzirah. Then the Neshama, third aspect, is connected, right, to Bria. Then we have a part of the Neshama called Chaya, right, which is connected to Atsilus. Then you will have Yechida, which is connected to Adam Kadmon, which is Olam Habo. Now what's interesting, therefore, is that because we have five different aspects of the neshama, and each one is connected to a different reality going up, it is possible to view that reality through these five ideas. You see, our problem is we don't know how to turn it on. For instance, we have what's called a ruach. That's one of the aspects of the neshama. Is a second part called Ruach. If you knew how to turn <coughs> on your Ruach, right, you could actually look into and speak to, you see, the residents of Olim Yitzira, which by the way are Malachim. You see, you would actually be able to look into and speak to those residents of Olim Yitzira. Why? Because you are actually connected to Olim Yitzira. But we don't, know how, we, we don't know how to turn on the ability of our Ruach to, 
connect to Oilin Yitzira. Nevoah basically gives you that ability. You see, <clears throat> that's what happens. So when you think about it, the nefesh can connect to this world, and the ruach can connect to Oilin Yitzira. So what the Rambam does is he says, right? Now, it happens to be that in the 7,000th year, we will all become denizens or residents of Oilim Yitzira, you see, because the world will transform. It transforms from a world of physicality, which is Asiya. Then in the 7,000th year, the world becomes Yitzira, right? The entire creation becomes Yitzira. And then the next thousand years, which is the 8,000th year, the entire creation or world becomes Bria. You see, in the 9,000th year, the whole world becomes Atsilos, right? And then the 10,000th year, which is 9,001, the whole world becomes Ilm Habo. So it's interesting. So we, if we ask ourselves, wait a minute, if the Rosham reveals himself as he is in the 7,000th year, what world is that? What world would that be as the world transforms? The entire creation transforms. And the answer is Yitzira. So that means in order for the Rosham to allow us to experience him as he will be experienced in the 7,000th year, then we have to be able to tap into that type of world, which is Yitzira. Can we do that? And the answer is we can. Because we have a Ruach, as I said, that connects to Oedem Yitzira. Our problem is we don't have the connections or we don't know how. Now you begin to understand what the Neshama Yitzira is. It doesn't say Neshama that on Shabbos we don't get Neshama Chadosha. No. We get an additional. That means we actually get the Ruach that we already have. But the difference is, is that on Shabbos, it opens up into Oilem Yitzira. That's what happens, you see. So therefore, the Neshom Yitzira is critical to, be, to have a prophetic experience, which means to experience a higher world. But that world, in many ways, is Oilem Yitzira, which will exist for the entire creation in the 7,000th year. So since we're already connected to that world, right, then automatically all we have to do is, re is activate our Ruach. And on Shabbos, we get the Neshama Yisera, which means that our Ruach is actually activated or opened up where we can actually experience but that's interesting. If we experience Oilim Yitzira on Shabbos, then we actually can experience the residents of Oilim Yitzira. Well, who are they? The Malachim. That is why we say Shalom Aleichem. You see, uh, because we are actually interacting with Malachim. Because we now have access to the, our Ruach experiencing or being connected to Oilim Yitzira. That's the case. We can actually talk to the Malachim. You see? And that's why we say Shalom Aleichem. Malchai Ashores. Isn't that interesting? Because we can actually connect to that Oilam. So the concept of Shalom Yisera, the concept of Shalom Aleichem, is now understood. We now all also understand that what the, what the Rabban Hashem does is he allows us to experience what he will look like, right, in the 7,000th year. And that is why Shabbos is a day, not a date, because it's parallel. Seven days, 7,000th year. And on the 7,000th year, which is a spirit that we will experience, we actually can experience that on the seventh day. You see, <clears throat> we now understand what Shabbos is. Let's take a look. Let's go through those questions. You see, and you will see how they all are beautifully answered. 
now that we know that Shabbos is a gift where the Basham allows us to experience him as he will present himself to us in the 7,000th year. It's called the awe of the Elif Hashvi, the presence, the Shekhinah, as it is revealed, right, in the 7,000th year. We can actually experience in the seventh day. Let's take a look. What's the essence of Shabbos? Shabbos, then, is a day that we can actually experience the Rabbanu Shalom, the Shekhinah, as it will appear to us on the 7,000th year, right? And we can experience it on the seventh day. That's what essentially Shabbos is, you see. But in order to do that, right, we need to have a connection to that time of the 7,000th year, which is Ruach. And that's the concept of Neshama Yisera. That's why we need the Neshama Yisera to experience what the Barsham is on the 7,000th year. That's why, like I said, it doesn't say Neshama Chadosha, a new soul. It says an additional soul, Neshama Yisera, because we already have that. And that's the Kiddusha of Shabbos, that we can actually experience the Barsham in a spiritual, in a Ruchniistic sense. That's Kiddusha. Kiddusha means to contact, to be Dovok, to experience God Himself. That's the Kiddusha. And that's why Shabbos, the essence of Shabbos, is the Kiddushas Shabbos. It's the awe of the Shekhinah as He will appear in the 7,000th year. And that's why it's Me'ein Oilam Habo. Why? Why is it like Oilam Habo? Because Oilam Habo, right? is the way the world will be in the 10,000th year, which is 9,001. But that's already spiritual. The 7,000th year is not physical, it's also spiritual. Not the same spirituality as the 10,000th year, you see? But it's already in the entire category of a spiritual existence. So therefore Shabbos, Right? What happens when God reveals Himself as He will appear in the 7,000th year is It's just like It's in that category, you see. That's why Shabbos is not except it's not 10,000th year, how He will experience, allow us to experience Him in Oilim Habo. But the 7,000th year is the beginning of the experience of the Shekhinah on a purely spiritual sense, you see. Now, but the Barsham says, right, but in order to experience me, right, you must replicate, you must behave on that day, which is Shabbos, the way I will appear to you. And what is the perception of the 7,000th year or the seventh day, which is Shabbos? Is that is God is the only cause. So what God says is you need to behave the way you believe I am on the 7,000th year, which means I do everything. And therefore you cannot do the 39 malachas. You cannot do the 39 activities you see, because those activities, those 1,560 activities, which I mentioned, right? Those are the activities that I used in creating the entire world, you see. So since the way I appear in the 7,000th year is you realize that which means that I do everything, I am the ultimate cause of everything, then you need to demonstrate that by not doing anything, not doing any type of creative, right, or causative behavior, then that's the condition. Then if you do that, then it's called behavioral conformity. You will be behaviorally conforming toward a reality that you believe to be true, which is a reality of the 7,000th year, then you will create that reality. You will actually experience that reality. You see, that's why observing the malachas of Shabbos is critical to experiencing Shabbos because you need to demonstrate the belief itself. So that's a very important idea. 
In other words, if you want to experience God, and we'll talk about in a minute what that means, that you have to assume the reality, right? And you have to conform to that reality. So that becomes a condition, you see. <laughs> and therefore you cannot do the 39 malachas. You cannot do the 39 categories of labor that God used those activities to create the world. You see, and that's a very important idea. Yes, yeah, so that's the concept of the 39 malachas. That's also why you have to make Kiddush. Because Kiddush means you have to acknowledge the entry of that presence. You see, what presence? The presence of God as he will appear <coughs> in the 7,000th year. Because that's a new presence, you see, because that's the gift. That's why you have to make Kiddush. Havdolo is you have to acknowledge, right, the exit of that presence. That's all behavioral conformity to that reality that you are assuming, and therefore you can experience the, uh, real, that reality. That's also why we do Hadlokas Neris. Why do we light candles? Because that's what we experience. The experience is that the light of God enters. So we acknowledge that by lighting Neris, you see. Now, if an important guest came, wouldn't you put out your best uh, you know, uh, uh, dinner wares and so on, and have your best food. That's why you have to have covered Shabbos <coughs> and Oinik Shabbos, because we believe that the Shechina, the divine presence of how he will appear in the 7,000th year, has now entered into creation, and therefore we have to ex respond to that with the best type of dinnerware and so on, clothing and all that, and also the best type of food. I already mentioned why it's a day and not a date, because the 7,000th year corresponds to the seventh day of creation, you see. So we now understand many things. We understand the whole concept of the halachas of Shabbos, you see, because what we have to do, right, is to conform in Shabbos by doing these halachas, these laws, and that is a conformity to what we believe occurs on the seventh day, which is the parallel to the 7,000th year. Now you may say, wait a minute, it sounds nice, but I, what do I experience on Shabbos, right, of God in the 7,000th year? And the answer is, you do, but you don't realize what it is. What does that mean? It says by Doniel, that when Doniel felt the Malach, Gavriel, right? In Doniel. It says that he was able to see or experience Gavriel, whereas Hanani, Mishun, and Azariah, they did not see him, the Malach, but they trembled. What does that mean? That's a chatzi nevuah. That's a half a nevuah. They were able to feel his presence, you see. Again, and that's prophecy. But they could not see him. Doniel, however, was able to have both, you see. That's called a partial prophecy. Because in order to experience a spiritual being, you have to have prophetic equipment, you see. We have that. Except on Shabbos, if you do all the halachas of Shabbos, you don't experience, you don't see God, that's true. <coughs> for that, you have to wait for the 7,000th year. But you can feel Him. What is that feeling? Guess what? That's the feeling of Shabbos. You ever notice that you feel differently on the seventh day, Shabbos, than a weekday? What is that feeling? Did you ever ask yourself, what am I feeling? You see, that is the feeling in, in, a, in, a, in a small amount of what you will feel in the 7,000th year or the seventh day, except in the 7,000th year, it's infinitely greater. That is the feeling of Shabbos, you see? Uh, next time you observe Shabbos, do you feel different? Isn't it different, right? What is that feeling? That feeling that you are experiencing comes through the Neshama Yisirah, your Ruach, which is connected to Yitzirah, and you are actually experiencing 
some small aspect of what the presence of God is in the seventh day. You see? So you don't realize it, but you are a partial prophet on Shabbos. That's really what's happening, you see, <clears throat> because that is what's extant on Shabbos. The presence of God, Shekhinah, as he will appear on the 7,000th year, Elafashri, but he's appearing on it now in the seventh day. And you are experienced that in, as a certain feeling of Shabbos, which is very different than the weekday. You see, <clears throat> what well, we have now explored what Shabbos really is. It's a day where you actually experience God at a m minimal level. That's true. Because the Bosha wants you to experience what will be in a minor way. You see, the feeling or the perception that you will see God in the 7,000th year, right? But you can only do that, you know, you have to observe the halachas, which means you have to act behaviorally as if that is occurring. And then what will happen will be is you will actually experience the Ruach of Shabbos. So this is the greatness of Shabbos. But again, it only happens because you have prophetic tools of prophecy, which is interesting, you see. And it's because God loves us and He wants us to experience Him. And He wants to, in a certain sense, experience us. And therefore, Shabbos really, in many ways, is the greatest of all times that we experience Him. So the next time Shabbos comes, watch. Try to feel what's happening. And what's happening is you are experiencing, right? The divine presence in a minor way, very small way, as what will happen in the 7,000th year, you see. But you're experiencing it now, and that is the great matono, the gift that God gives you.